Now, um, Jackie's working on pulling up my slideshow today, and before I bring my little uh, presentation helping up front, I want you to know that some of you will remember a couple weeks ago I was preaching and we talked about the the way God forms his spirit in us is sort of through the cul-de-sacs and through the the rabbit trails in our lives and, um, if you will, the the walk to the grocery store with a three-year-old. Look, it's an ant and that sort of thing. And before we get into the service today, I want you to know that uh, today, if I were to consider the text of today, it's not a cul-de-sac. This is a gated community. I, I want you to be really careful when you walk into this area where we're talking about spiritual giftednesses and things like that. I, I don't want you to just walk on in and just, just treat it like everything else in the world because I know that there's a difference in what's going on in, our, in the way we deal with uh, spiritual giftednesses and, and people have been hurt in churches and otherwise by people using giftednesses in odd ways. And so to use a Christmas terminology, given the choice, I wouldn't want to touch this with a 39 and a half foot fold. <laughs> but I'm gonna, because it's in the text. And so I get to. But before we get there, you see I've got a couple of Bibles here. I didn't have enough places in my Bible to have all the scriptures text. And before I handle this, I'm going to read a section of Ephesians today, and it has a quote from the Old Testament in it, or more properly, a misquote. And before we talk about that, I want to give you an example of how something can change from the Old Testament to the New Testament and why that changed. So when we handle the misquote, we'll understand what's going on. So here it is. This is in Isaiah 6. Some of you will know Isaiah 6 as the call chapter Isaiah. But it's also a picture. It has in it a picture of the throne room of our Lord. And so here it is. In the year that King Uzziah died, and so that you know, Uzziah had lived and been king for 50 years. So if you were under 60, that was really the only king you had known in Israel. I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, they covered their feet with two, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I have lived among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. That's quite a picture, isn't it? By the way, did you notice that there is a throne in heaven, and it is not empty? Just ever. Don't ever think of the throne in heaven. Okay, so here's the next picture. Um, The next place the throne room of heaven appears in Scripture is in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 4, and there's some changes in it. But there's some stuff that's the same. And and I just want to read this for a second. As I looked, 
And there before me was a door standing open in heaven and a voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting in it, on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an element, emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders and they're dressed in white and they had crowns of gold on their head. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Remember in the other one, the doorpost shook. But, but there's no description. We'll get to that. And before the throne, seven lamps blazing, and there were seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And in the center of the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and back. And, and the four living creatures had six wings. I skipped a verse there if you're following along. Six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under their wings, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now, there's two pictures. Can you go to the next? We, we didn't get it up here. Okay. So, so let's go to the next slide here. Okay, so here's, here's two of the pieces of text here that are quite a bit different. In, the, in Isaiah, the seraphim, seraphs is not technically the, the plural of seraph. There's one seraph and there's multiple seraphim. That's the, so when you ever you see I am in the text, it does that, there would be that. They had two wings and they covered their faces. Let me ask you a question. If you're playing hide and seek, what's the first thing you do before you start counting? Cover your eyes. And with two wings, they covered their eyes. Do you know why there's not a description of the throne room and all the elders and the lampstands and all that stuff? Don't look. And then in this other one, the living creatures had six wings. Remember, they both had six wings. They both yelled, yelled, sang, holy, holy, holy. They both did that. And this one, the wings, and they were full of eyes. And they had eyes under their wings. They were made out of eyes. Something's happened. You're not only welcome here, but come and look. And there's a description. Can we go to the next slide? Okay, and then later on, I want you to recognize this thing. Isaiah says, woe is me, I'm undone because my eyes have seen the king. But in Revelation, it's look, look, the lamb is worthy. The throne is filled. What's happened between Isaiah 6 and Ephesians or um, Revelation 4? What is the one event in history that makes a difference everywhere in the world all at once? Jesus. Okay, now that's a person. What was his office? Do you remember what his office is? We often think it's his last name. The Christ. What was the job of the Christ? Okay, go to I, next slide here. This is from Isaiah 53. This is what's happened. Just very specifically, Isaiah says this. All of us are like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way, right? Woe is me. I'm a person of unclean lips who lives among people of unclean lips. 
We've each gone our own way, but whenever there's a but in the scripture, boy, pay attention. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. The reason Isaiah is so upset in the throne room is because he's got sin and it's undealt with. And he's in the presence of the Lord and he's in trouble. But in Revelation, has the sin been dealt with? Yes. Now, do we understand the full implications of that? Just shake your head really big. (laughs) We don't get it. But now, because the sin's been dealt with, we get to see the throne room. And the invitation is to come, 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 instead of, woe is me, I'm undone. Do you understand that that one thing makes a big difference in the world? And so there are five or six places in the Old Testament where something's going on, where they're quoted or, or, or discussed in the New Testament, and it's different. Something happened, and it's always the same thing. Okay, let's go to our text. Remember, this is a spot of, of uh, deep care and understanding for me. I would not go here if I didn't, want, didn't have to, but it, remember, we're preaching through the text, and that means we get to deal with stuff that we don't. But uh, I've seen a lot of damage done to the body of Christ with uh, gift tests and, and people doing that. And so as we approach this, I want us to make sure that we, we retain the walk-worthy language, the humbleness, the generosity of the earlier chapters as we've been moving towards this gift stuff. Here we are. This is from Ephesians 4, 7. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ, and that is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to the people. There's our misquote. Can you give me the next slide? This is Psalm 68, this is the quote that Paul's quoting. You ascended on high. You have taken many captives with you. You receive tribute from men or gifts from men, including even the sinful rebels. Here's Paul. Therefore, when it says he ascended on high, he captured captives and he gave gifts to men. Does anybody here believe that Paul, who memorized the Old Testament, the Talmud, and all this other stuff, because that's what you had to do to be a rabbi, okay, he memorized this. Think about that for a second. Does any of you think that he did this and made an accidental mistake and didn't know he was doing it? I don't either. But here's what happened. Christ came and changed everything. What is the gift? What is the tribute that our Lord receives from sinful men? What is the one thing, the one work that God requires of us when he is victorious and we're captive? What is the one thing? Well, don't guess. Next verse, next slide. This is Jesus in response. What's the work that we must do? To believe in the one whom God sent. 
So when we go up the mountain with the victorious Lord, who, by the way, the mountain is Zion, the mountain is the spot of the cross, it is all this thing, it's the fulcrum of history. Everything changes from this spot. When we go up that mountain and we kneel at the base of the cross, there's one thing we must do. Before we bow our knees, we bow our hearts. We place our trust in God. And by the way, his name, names are a big deal in the Bible. Did you know that? That the people have names. Do you know what Jesus' name means? Yeshua, God saves. And when God is talking to Joseph, Mary's betrothed, and he's about to put her away, as we come toward the Christmas time, we're getting ready for this, right? God says to Joseph, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. Name him Yeshua or Jesus. Name him. Adopt him. Right? Because the dad names. Make him yours. Don't be afraid to do that. There's a price in that world for not doing that, for having an illegitimate son, a son that doesn't have, right? There's everything is your reputation. Even Joseph's reputation mattered. Don't be afraid. For he himself will save his people. He himself, that's the language. It doesn't go, because he'll save his people. He himself, the Lord our God himself will save these people. Does that mean that, people of Israel belong to Jesus? You bet. He himself will save his people. Jesus saves, but this is how he saves, the one who he sent. You place your trust in him. You d- I don't want to use the word believe too, too tightly. I want trust because sometimes we think that we believe we'll go to the grocery store. <laughs> you almost never say, today I'm going to trust that I, at the, I'm going to trust that I'll go to the dress grocery store it just doesn't flow the same it doesn't mean the same thing we place our trust in him that's the work that's god going up the mountains leading the captives receiving gifts from men our trust what's the one thing he wants by the way the victory the roman victories the greek victors they get the tribute they want they don't get the tribute you come up with they tell you what they want here's the thing Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ has also descended to our world, or in some texts, it's hard to tell, could be, could be beyond our world, even into the lower parts of our earth, which is an acron- and, uh, a figure of speech meaning into hell to lead the captives out. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, with all that pretext, just so you know how big a deal this is, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. In some texts, it's hard to tell. It could be pastor teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ, This will continue until we have all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. 
That's a, that's a big word, isn't it? Okay, so there's a couple of things. As we go to this, you can just go ahead and go to the next one, and we're just going to leave that there for a little bit. These are the three lists of gifts that Paul gives us in the Scripture. Did you, I want you to notice something really fast. Are they the same? Okay, so um, this is one of these spots where I learned something about language in Greek that I never learned in English. Paul makes these lists, and he calls them, they're called paratactic lists. They're not lists where everything's required, but he sort of sets things beside each other, and you can kind of go, this is the big one to me. Sometimes he does it with uh, metaphors, and sometimes he does it with, with offices. But as he listed into the Ephesians list, he said, these are the things that Christ gave to us. By the way, Christ is his office, not his name. In the same way that my office is pastor, my name is Dave. Now, you might call me Pastor Dave, and that's fine. I'm not complaining about that, but just recognize that pastor is not my name. Dave is my name. Jesus is his name. Christ is his title. And then he lists some titles. And he lists these apostles, prophets in the white, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. On these lists are the red ones are the ones that are in both of them, in all of them. The blue one, leadership, leadership, and pastors, you kind of have to take a world record running broad jump to make those the same, but you can kind of do that. It's not exactly the same. The word isn't exactly the same. It has a similar root, and it comes through the thing, and the job characteristics are the same. But they're almost in both lists, but they're not. And then you see that, that there's some other things going on in here. So if we have a paratactic list, that means that there's pastors and, and, and somewhere along they all fit in. But, but because the lists don't coincide, you can't say that one list is complete. You just can't. It, Paul doesn't leave that out open to us. There might be other gifts. He just doesn't list them. But I also want you to know that these are offices. And I want to spend a little bit of time on this because, uh, as I said in the first service, we can't use, we can never go into the gifts and say, that's my gift, I do that. I'm a prophet. Because, because being a prophet and having these lists, these lists always start, every one of these lists, the ones in Romans is in Romans 12. You can go look. The one in 1 Corinthians is in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. They all come with be humble and merciful and all that before or after. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 12 finishes that chapter and then it goes straight into 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, which is also part of this thing. The numbers weren't there originally. And it says, by the way, there's all these gifts and the greatest of them is love. And so it doesn't say... This is your category. You are now categorized. That's all you can do. It doesn't do that. Matter of fact, uh, Henry Blackaby years ago wrote a, a, a thing called Experiencing God, said actually if you, you can make a serious case in the Scripture that the gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit in you, that these are, that these are things that the Holy Spirit does through us, but they're in us. So, so if you've accepted and you've placed your trust in God, 
God has put his Holy Spirit in you, which then manifests through these gifts that are not your creational gifts. You have those two. Some of you have really strong creational gifts. By that, I mean, here's my example. You know that I have an art degree. That's a creational gift. I was given the ability to do that. That's not a spiritual gift. It can be used for the glory of God because God is the source of all our things, both our creational gifts and our spiritual gifts. Some of you are just naturally gifted musicians and singers. Yes, creational gifts. But then there's these spots where we just, you know, we don't have the game pieces to play on the board. Right? You've got the board for Monopoly, but you don't have any dice, and you don't have the little shoe, and you don't have the little car, and you don't have it. You don't have the pieces. You can't play the game. You can't be God's speaker. You can't speak God's word into somebody's life unless the Holy Spirit empowers you to do that. You can't administer the people of God in a way that honors God unless the Holy Spirit is in you doing that. You can't be an apostle unless you were called by God and then sent by him, that's what that means, by the way. Sent by God. And the definitions kind of change throughout the years about what an actual apostle is. Some denominations have them and some don't because the ones that don't believe, literally, that you had to see the risen Lord personally to be an apostle. And Paul then says, I'm an apostle born out of time. Because he saw the body of Jesus in the light on Damascus Road, but he didn't see him with everybody else. And so that's what's going on. But we've all met people. I used this example before, and you don't know her. And she was an administrator, and she used to say to her staff, I have the gift of discernment. And what she meant by that is, you can't disagree with me. I'm telling you, that is not a gift to the body of Christ because God gave through Christ the gifts of the Spirit to the body. That's what the text says, to the body. And I, and I tell you, I've taken spiritual gift tests and I always come out on the prophetic side. Always. Do you know what that means? That means when I sell a car, I tell them what's the matter with it. Because the truth matters to me more than the selling of the car. But let me tell you, having the office of a prophet, if you just know a little bit of your Old Testament history, being a prophet is not a gift. It's a burden. Just ask Jeremiah. Do you know what his call was? Preach your entire life, never have a convert. Run along now. <laughs> Does that sound like a gift to Jeremiah? So I want to tell you this, that in reality, being a prophet is not a gift. Speaking God's word into somebody's life, the act of prophecy, speaking God's word, that's what that is, forth-telling, telling the word of God, that's a gift. 
to be able to do that. Those of you who have the gift of helps, that you do this thing, you just love helping and you do helping and you don't really want to be noticed, you just want to help, help, help. Having the gifts of help is not a gift. Helping people, that's the gift. It doesn't feel like a gift. Being an administrator is not a gift. Helping administer and be loving in that process, that is a gift to you and to the body. And so that is why these are always bracketed with be humble and merciful and blah, blah, blah. You know, not blah, 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 but wah, 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 wah from, from Charlie Brown. And the, the greatest of these is love that God pours this into you. I want to cover one other thing, just this one little aspect of this that I haven't talked about. The Holy Spirit is in you. Does anybody here believe that because the Holy Spirit is in you, the Holy Spirit loses some of God's abilities? Because if you believe that, I need you to double check your text. So God pours himself into you. And let's say you're in a group of three or four people. And the prophecy The word of God needs to be spoken and nobody's there with the gift, the the office of the prophet. Does anybody believe that God can't get his word spoken if one of the three of you isn't willing? If one of you will submit and be that, then God will speak his word out of you in that group because the gift is the doing. You are God's workmanship, Ephesians 2.10, created in Christ Jesus By the way, created in Christ Jesus, the poema, the poem of God, the art of God, the love of God, to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to walk in. There's our word, walk worthily of the calling. Now, you are free to disagree with me on whether or not being a prophet or an administrator or a teacher is a gift. But those of you who've taught, I'm going to ask you this question just really honestly. Being a teacher is not the gift, is it? Teaching somebody to do something they don't know how to do, that's the gift from God. So there's an office and a job. There's Jesus and a task. And by his task, he's the Christ. He comes to us and he saves us. The iniquity of us all has been poured on him. That is his office. He is more than the Christ. He is also Jesus, the son of God, Mary's son, Joseph's son, John, John's leaning post at the Last Supper. He's all those things all wrapped together. You are more than your office. That is a, that I hope, you receive that as a word of mercy today. If you've got a job to do in the church and you think all I ever do is this one thing and I'm more than that, yes, you are. I have to ask you a question. And you're not going to have the answer right away, so you can't give it to me today. You have to give it to me later. Tell me something about yourself that has nothing to do with who you are or what you've done. You are loved by God. 
Now he knows exactly who you are. But it's not dependent on what you've done. As he pours his love into you and he gives gifts to men, humans. As he pours his love out on the earth, as we, as we follow him up the mountain, and we go, you are victorious. You, we trust you for our salvation. We give that gift. That is the one gift that we can give. And then he pours this new life back out of us. And everything we do becomes a gift for the church, for his people and the world, which, by the way, still groans, groans, all creation groans for the revealing. It stretches forward for the revealing of the children of God. It doesn't say, I'm really excited because the children of God are going to come and then we're going to be destroyed. No, it wants the children of God to start living into that reality to be the gift that humanity was supposed to be in creation from the beginning. That's what I thought. In the first service, my alarm went off about 10 minutes ago. (laughs) And I just went through it. Just so you know, I'm not a slave to that. I'll just use it. Um, I should probably look at my notes, but they're all pretty good. I just, the one thing I wanted you to know today, if you get nothing else out of today, I want you to know that you are gifted, that you are called to be joining God in his work. The Hebrew day is the best example of this we can come to. The end of the Hebrew day, the beginning of the Hebrew day is, is sunset. And if you live in a world in which there's no electricity, at sunset, do you know what you do? You go to bed. But that's the beginning of the day. God starts the day, and halfway through, you wake up and join him in a day that he's already been working at. The giftedness that he gives you is this, that you are called into a task that he is already working at, and all you get to do is join him. This is not a to-do list that God gives you, and he says, I'll come back and check on you in seven hours to see how you're doing on that. The list and the giftedness is always to join him in the work that he's doing. It's always a gift. And if it's not functioning as a gift, then we need to check the way we're doing it. Because we start to think that the offices are the big deal and not the gift. I'd love to be a prophet boy. It's cer- certainly fun to stand up on a, on a podium and, and speak harsh words at people. <laughs> they don't like it so much. It's not really a gift. It doesn't speak life into them. And so if I focus on the office of the prophet and I forget that the gift is to speak God's word and God's life to people, then I'm not operating in his giftedness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for leading us up the mountain. And thank you for sending us down that may we never live in light. May we never live like the mountain never happened.
changes everything. Help us be changed. In your name.